She said, so let me get this straight. They're spending their own money and giving up their own vacation and going to work harder than they ever would. And she went, why? And I said, I, I can't explain it. That's just missions. And welcome to the Run the Race podcast, where we talk about fitness and faith on a weekly basis. And we all need motivation, maybe to lose weight or get stronger physically or get closer to God as we all seek purpose in life. I'm your host, Jason Dennis, hoping to inspire you to run the race of life as we sit down with fascinating guests digging deeper into the mind, body, and soul. Let's do this. And welcome to the show, the Run the Race podcast. This is episode number 33, a significant number for Christians out there as Jesus lived to be to the age of 33, uh, the foundation of our faith. Again, thank you for uh, choosing this podcast. I'm Jason Dennis, a local TV news anchor and your host for today, talking about many things, faith and fitness. You're going to love our guest today, a good friend of mine who lives in Alabama and uh, was in town in Columbus, Georgia, which is where he's from and where I'm sitting now. And uh, he is a really funny guy. His dad was my senior pastor for about five years. And we both lived in Birmingham area uh, for a few years at the same time. And he actually, him and his wife, babysat our kids when they were like two and three years old. So more than uh, 15 years ago. So I've known him for quite a long time. Um, uh, we're going to talk a lot about, uh, about you know, his life as a, uh, a storyteller and missionary and pastor and football player, and now podcast host. We're going to talk about Hidden Hook Ministries. So looking forward to talking to uh, Pastor Lee McBride, uh, who's a really funny guy. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that conversation. Uh, I did want to tell you a little bit about uh, something that I'm trying, something new. Um, a lot of times, you know, when we read the Bible, um, it can be very intimidating, right? You know, because, you know, uh, you want to keep up with, like, uh, how much do I read per day? How do I find the time? What if I miss a day or miss a week, you know, uh, and, and I have a plan where I want to read the Bible maybe over the course of, of a year or two years and I'm falling behind. Well, the devil tries to play tricks on you and, and tells you, well, don't even don't even try to catch up. You you just don't even worry about reading your Bible. You don't have time for that. Uh, you need to you know do other things that are more fun or or more appealing or, or watch shows on Netflix or whatever else. And all that stuff's well and good. But uh, getting into the Word and praying and having that relationship with God and, and His Word is so crucial in all of our lives. And uh, that's easier said than done sometimes. I agree with our busy lives with jobs and family and now the pandemic and everything else going on. Well, I joined something that a few friends of mine invited me to. Uh, it's on Facebook. It was a private Facebook group called the One Hour a Day Bible Challenge. Now, you know, most of the time we talk about, hey, just go read for about 10 or 15 minutes a day your Bible and uh, get into the Word and read a quick devotional, something like that, and uh, uh, maybe at the start of the day. Well, this is one hour a day challenge, so that is definitely a challenge. And uh, so if, you, if you're able to do that and you read, let's say, an average of you know 10 to 13 chapters a day, you can actually read the Bible in about three months. And um, so it really, it's all about the Word of God saturating our lives. And this group that, that I've joined, there's about uh, 60 of us so far, reading the Bible together, encouraging each other, holding each other accountable. And so I've been doing this for a week now. 
and have actually read the whole book of Genesis already in just one week, 50 chapters, along with some verses in Psalms and Proverbs. And uh, so it's, it's been really, uh, you know, uh, kind of eye-opening for me, uh, sitting down and spending a full hour reading the Word and, and kind of really trying to understand it and uh, the stories that are told and, and, and how it connects to our lives now and how, um, you know, how it can apply to us. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to stick with this and, uh, and have the Bible read from now all the way until a couple weeks before Christmas. I'll have the Bible read in about five months. So that is the goal. So set your goal and uh, look to God, and He will make it happen um, if it's His will for sure. So uh, back to our conversation today, our chat on the Run the Race podcast, which again, if you want to listen to any of the previous 32 episodes— uh, that we've been doing since last fall, you can go to WTBM.com slash podcast. You may be listening to this right now on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. We'd love for you to write a review there at the bottom there to to help us uh, and, and spread the word about it. Or you can find us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. So really tell your friends about it. And uh, we'd love to uh, to get more people to subscribe and, and uh, just kind of get the word out about being a physically and spiritually better people overall. Our, our, uh, our chat today is with Pastor Lee McBride, who um, was called to preach at, get this, the age of 12. Well, he started off as a youth pastor for more than a dozen years, then a senior pastor for three years, and uh, really he's been a full-time missionary to, to outdoorsmen across America for more than a decade. Uh, Lee is a great storyteller. Uh, he uses humor a lot to, to help evangelize and really motivate people from all walks of life. Um, he, I know his wife, Wendy. She's a wonderful lady. They have two children, Madison and Garrett. And also a beautiful grandbaby now that he talks about, Leighton Brooks. Um, he, he tells those life stories all over the country. He's been on more than 50 mission trips, spoken at 500 wild game suppers, preached to over 100 youth camps and retreats, and he talks to football teams on a regular basis over the course of August, especially at the start of the season. He's in charge of Hidden Hook Ministries and now has his own podcast, the Hidden Hook Podcast. And uh, his ministries, he has three goals. Win people to Christ, be a true friend to pastors, and motivate people to tell their Jesus story. So here is Lee McBride's story. All right, thank you, Pastor Lee McBride, for being here. We appreciate you uh, joining us on the uh, Run the Race podcast. Man, it's my honor to be here. Now, I know you are uh, from Columbus, Georgia, where we are now. Right. And uh, now you're living um, more kind of an eastern Alabama. So, uh, what, what, first of all, what brought you over here, uh, you know, this time of year in, in mid-July where it's uh, really yeah, hot? I got a really cool chance. Uh, I'm a kind of a – I use a lot of storytelling when I preach – and a lot of humor, and uh, I got a chance yesterday to do the service out in Lake Harding, in the middle of Lake Harding, on Two Tree Island, and uh, so that that's what brought us over this weekend, and man, I tell you, it was a fantastic concept. I'd heard about it for a long time, never got the chance to be a part of it, and I kind of invited myself. I, <laughs> a few months ago, I just put a feeler out through a friend of mine, and uh, Man, it was it was it was hot, but it was fantastic. I think they said there were ninety something boats there yesterday, and we preached the gospel on the lake. So it's kind of the reverse where Jesus used to get in a little boat, go fifteen feet out, and preach to the land because he used the water as a sound system. 
It was the exact opposite. They came to the island. We were on the land, but it went great. It really did. <laughs> you didn't try to walk on water. No. They say if you uh, you can come to the island, uh, boat, jet ski, or kayak, but if you can walk to the island, they'll let you lead the service. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. So a lot of boaters out there, that's that's impressive. I mean, that's that's pretty cool that – and you have different pastors that come in every Sunday, right? Right, and I'm just – I'm really new to it. I, I, I found out a lot about it uh, – yesterday but yet i think that's how it works is a different speaker and different musicians every week throughout the summer i think they go from june to about labor day and it's been an overwhelming success oh that's awesome well we're going to talk today about you growing up as a preacher's kid and and, um and you know using comedy in your ministry and uh you know you love football hunting fishing all those kind of things and talking about your mission work and also your hidden hook podcast but first of all just for those who don't know uh, Lee McBride, I wanted to kind of some rapid fire questions to get to know you. First sure. of all, um, what is your job description at work and also at home? Okay, at home, I am pop. <laughs> I got a brand new 19 month old uh, grand baby. And so everybody's working during the week. And since most of my work is traveling on the weekends, uh, I'm, I'm really there to just help in that support system with her. Her name's Leighton Brooks Daniels. She's completely rocked our world. Uh, and then just to be as loving and a you know husband to Wendy and supportive, she's so easy to do life with. She's just a delight, and I guess I'm the master griller. You know, <laughs> uh, I'm the best on the grill. Even though my son and my daughter actually are catching me pretty quick. Uh, but and at work, I just uh, as a young kid, I always looked up to great storytellers, and I remember hearing. I was addicted to Paul Harvey, and I was addicted to uh, Jerry Clower, was a comic storyteller. And I grew up in the, my mom's side of the family is so huge. And uh, I had so many uncles that were just great storytellers. And I used to love hearing them tell the same stories. And on my dad's side, my, my grandmother, Hazel, and, and my dad is a fantastic storyteller. So anyway, at a young age, I kind of fell in love with storytelling. And I saw that it was a powerful tool in preaching and teaching difficult concepts, spiritual concepts. So, man, it's been wild. So basically, in the spring, I'm preaching at a different church every Sunday and doing wild game suppers. Uh, I usually do about five or six weeks of youth camp every summer. In August, I speak to 100 football teams, a little five-minute talk with Coach Mitch Hamilton called Water Break. And then back in the fall, it goes back to wild game suppers and and uh, preaching in churches. But just always try to use storytelling to point people to Christ. That's yeah. basically the gist of it. Yeah, as a journalist, I looked up to Paul Harvey as well. I loved his tagline, Paul Harvey, good day. That's right. Yeah. And, nice. and just the way that he always held out that, you know, that for the rest of the story, he always held that one thing to the end. He was just brilliant, brilliant. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so uh, I know that you uh, used to play football in your younger days. So what do you do uh, to stay fit these days? Or You know, I, I've had both my knees replaced, and I've had rheumatoid arthritis for about 20 years. And I kind of, just to be completely honest with you, Jason, I, when I first was diagnosed, I, I went into a little bit of a, not, I wouldn't say depression, but a little bit of a funk. And I felt sorry for myself a little bit, but uh, about five years into it, I, I got one of my knees replaced. I started feeling better than the other. 
So now, I mean, basically, I do hunt and fish as hard as I can. I'm not as agile as I once was, but I, I walk and I love play golf. I play golf all the time, two or three times a week. Very nice. I play cheap courses. I mean, I'm not wealthy, but I'm saying I we I play a lot. I love to, and and so that's kind of how I stay active. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wherever you travel, you can find a golf course. That's right. So that's, and and it's so fellowship oriented. That's what I love about it. Yeah. Do you have um like a certain maybe a spiritual motto or maybe a favorite uh, Bible verse? Well, I if you nailed me down, Second Corinthians chapter twelve verse nine says that His grace is sufficient, and in our weakness His strength is made perfect. Mm. That scripture's meant a lot to me, but uh, I just am always very. I love to read. I read a book a week. A lot that will probably surprise a lot of people. And then I, I love great stories, so I'm always digging for a story in the scripture. So it, I don't necessarily have a motto, but you know, I, I, I'm just always looking for some new way to twist the truth and teach it to people. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you you maybe well, you didn't miss your calling. You you have your calling, but you could have been a journalist, you know, yes. interview. So that kind of. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but I, I I'm <laughs> extremely interested in journalism and 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 being you know. Being clear and accurate and same concepts, trying to just, you know, be forthright and tell the story the way it should be told. Absolutely. And uh, last of the fast four, um, what is something unique about uh, Pastor Lee McBride? Well, I mean, uh, I just think that I'm just a guy who's a preacher's kid who really, early in life, fell in love with what he wanted to do. And... uh, get just the most unique opportunities i've met some of the coolest people on the earth and it's just amazing how far storytelling's taken me and i you know 54 years old still do five weeks of youth camp talk to 100 football teams i think that's probably a unique thing is it i've honed that skill to be able to use stories to you know point people to jesus i think that's probably what makes me unique yeah, that's that's awesome. You do a fabulous job at that. And speaking of that, I saw that you um, you say you were called to preach at the the ripe old age of twelve. That's right. And uh, being a preacher's kid, and I know your your dad well, Pastor Mike McBride, uh, who uh, was helped marry my wife and I. Yeah. My wife also being a PK, a preacher's kid. And um, so, what was that? Because a lot of times there's a stereotype for PKs yes. about like you know, maybe you're going to be rebellious. Or whatever else. So for you growing up, what was that like? And and how did you find that path of, you know, uh, the ministry? Well, it was really, you know, there is a stereotype about it. But I I, I felt it was really positive. I mean, I met uh, through churches that my dad pastored some of the best people on planet Earth, salt of the earth kind of people. I did have a little phase there in high school. Mine was... It burned hot, but it was short-lived, you know, of, of rebellion. But I always really admired my dad. And, you know, I thought, I just saw it for what it was, and it's hard to pastor a church. I mean, I, I, as I've traveled doing all these football talks, I've realized it runs a lot of parallel, like if your dad coaches the high school football team. And then what I mean by that is you kind of, they call it living in the fishbowl. Everybody sees everything you do. And as a PK, sometimes people's expectations are higher than they should be for you. You're expected to be a little more mature and almost kind of perfect. and uh, Just like with a coach that's winning games or a pastor that's doing well in a church, there's just always going to be a certain amount of criticism, whether it's going good, bad, or indifferent, because 
people just aren't, they're just not going to agree. I mean, you can only put 11 kids on that field at a time. Somebody's kid ain't playing, even if you're winning and they're not happy. And yeah. Same way in the church world. So, But I'm just telling you, I enjoyed it. The, the positives was 95 to 5 of being a PK. I thoroughly loved it. Yeah. And um, was this something where, you know, you knew at age 12 it was pretty unwavering that, okay, I'm going to do something in the ministry. I'm not sure, like, you know, the the the, the way I'm going to do it, but it's going to happen. That's exactly what it was. I was actually at a kid's camp, and the guy, you know, at the end of the camp said, if you feel like you've been called. And I knew I'd been called. I didn't know what it, exactly what it was going to look like. To be honest with you, Jason, my whole life, my teenage life, all I wanted to do is I wanted to be a football coach, a high school football coach. So I kind of ran from it a little bit, but yes, I mean, uh, I didn't know what it was going to look like, which is good because my ministry doesn't look like very few ministries. It's very unique. And, you know, I can remember when I told my parents and people I'm going to leave the pastor. I was pastoring a church and I'm going to go be a Christian comedian and I'm going to, you know, live on faith. It, it was a little bit weird. There, there really weren't many people doing that kind of thing. Still not, but. I, uh, I'm blessed in that I've found my specific job in the kingdom of God, and I really enjoy doing it. And, you know, speaking of unique, you know, I, I remember, you know, decades ago, um, guys like Ken Davis, a great Christian comedian, did mostly like st- kind of, it looked like stand-up sort of like, and Michael Jr. does something similar right. like that today. Ken Davis is just one of the greatest motivational yeah. speakers, not just Christian, I mean, and the guy's a brilliant leader. Yeah. So I don't want anybody to get it twisted. I, I, I'm no Ken Davis, but what <laughs> I can do, I can get one truth and, and present it in a way where you probably had never thought about it like that and simplify it where you understand it forever, which yeah. is powerful communication. Absolutely. So, so how do you do that? What, uh, how do you use comedy to deliver the gospel? Or is it something where, you know, maybe you're really, your goal is to reach the, the unreached? Right. Well, you just kind of, I think sometimes we, 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 we either one or two things. We don't have a healthy respect for difficult things, or we over-glorify them. We almost... I make them idols and, and, you know, almost like there's no way to win. I just don't think either one of those things are true. So here's, here's what we do. We just take it for what it is. And see, one thing that helps me be able to do that is that's how I think. I, I, I cannot multitask. My wife can do 10 things at one time with excellence and a smile on her face. I cannot do. Like, I cannot talk on the phone and, you, and, and her be talking to me. Yeah. It's, I get so aggravated, and I'll have to put my hand Listen, I can't do both. She can do both. So I, I'm very tunnel vision, which can be a negative, but when you're trying to break down and prepare what you're going to talk about, it's a positive. Mm-hmm. And then I have, for me to understand, it takes a while. So I kind of dissect it and break it down for me to understand the concept, but once I got it, I use that process that I have to go through to understand it. It's easier to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know maybe this is a hard question to answer, but what, what makes you uh, so funny? Because, I mean, I know you're down to earth and you love to tell stories. Is it, do people come up to you and say, oh, that, that, was, that was a great joke or that was a great you know, way you told that story? Or? I think a lot of things. I think one thing, genetics. I think growing up in the family that I did and they're fun-loving, great storytellers. Number two, and this is really going to sound bizarre, but if people will give it a chance and hear me out, one thing is where I grew up. 
I think we grew up in the deep south. We become exaggerators. We become uh, like a caricature. It, it, we do, man. I mean, and we love to tell the story. And and specifically in the Chattahoochee Valley, uh, there's an ability to we we call it janking, <laughs> picking at each other. You sure. know, not in a hateful way, but and that just I, there's another aspect of it, but. I think is but you don't use any yo mama jokes. No, no. <laughs> but just trying to be intentional to make people laugh. You know what I'm saying? You're looking for that. And then I've just always I don't know, I've always been lighthearted and and and, and I, I I just can't tell you how addicted I am to making people laugh, whether it's from a stage or if we're sitting at or you know around a table at a barbecue place or even just hanging out i just love making people laugh yeah and, and you were talking about you know here in the south obviously you know uh, in terms of sports football is king that's right especially georgia and alabama uh, and uh, you're a big bama fan right um so tell me about that how um and you talked about you know speaking um every august to all these football teams what, how is football and ministry, how do those kind of two things, two worlds meet for you? I didn't know they would. I thought when I said, well, you're going to be a football coach or a preacher, I just didn't know they would. But I'm going to tell you, I, I really cannot speak highly. And I know there are more, but I cannot speak more highly of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And first of all, they have the best – Coaches' Bibles and student study Bibles. They have the best uh, tools for students. Second of all, FCA kind of bridged that gap for me. I, I first started kind of helping FCA, FCA guys raise their money through banquets and using humor. A lot of people don't understand this, Jason. I know you know this, but when we grew up, if you went to something and they were raising money for missions or fca or something you think you had to make people cry when we were kids <laughs> but what people don't realize is a, a laughter is as just as strong emotion as a tear and people will give just as much behind a laugh as they will a tear now that doesn't probably register immediately with people but i promise you i've proven it's true so i'm starting these fca fca guys to try to help raise their money then i'm starting to speak to teams and it, it just it evolved into trying to build relationship with coaches because I'm so passionate about what they're doing. And then you get in front of students, and the next thing you know, you know, you can be a help to coaches. When I was a youth pastor here in Columbus, my dad, I, I worked for my, I was my dad's youth pastor for ten years. We we were we kind of adopted Jordan Vocational High School JVH. We we adopted their high school football team. I was their FCA chaplain for nine years. We fed them. We we gave them school supplies. I went to every possible game I could. I bet I didn't miss nine games in nine years. I just think sometimes we try to change the culture too much instead of serving the culture. Mm -hmm. And we just try to be a servant to them. And it builds a relationship that you can talk about change then. But if you, if you get it reversed, you know what I'm saying? So they just, it evolved and it gelled and, now they're closely intertwined, football and storytelling and sharing Jesus and all those things. Yeah, meeting, meeting people where they're at right? in terms of football. And for you, so um, were you, uh, would you consider yourself a really good high school or college a, football player? Or? I, was, I never played in college. I played a little bit of baseball and Bible college, but okay. 
I was average in high school, but I played just for the I played for the winningest coach in Georgia history, and I played at a great program. But I was a way above. I was an average athlete, but I was way above average teammate and leader. And I mean, I you know what I'm saying. And I had those skills, so you know, I I, I fell in love with it, and I miss it. And I I try to tell students. You just don't realize you're going to blink and this is going to be gone. You've mm-hmm. got to take advantage of it. Yeah, and, and we we're hoping that we can watch real football in the coming months, in the fall, even despite COVID-19. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, to me, it, 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 I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think the NFL will play. I give you 50-50 on college. But, Jason, I'm just going to be honest. When In August, when kids start going to practice and high school kids start Tested positive, I think the world's going to melt down. I just don't think they're going to play this fall. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be difficult. We're going to have to kind of see what happens. For for you as as a pastor and somebody who loves people, I mean, you love probably to hug on folks and and high five and and spend time, you know, in fellowship with people. And so, in the midst of the last three or four months of this coronavirus pandemic, we're told not to do any of that stuff. I mean, hang out with your family at home, wear a mask. So for you as a storyteller, evangelist, pastor, has this been difficult for you, this kind of isolation? It has, but, you know, you just got to make up your mind. Well, we were talking beforehand. At first, I just started scoffing at this thing. And then I realized there was some reality to it. And the Lord kind of convicted me, and I just decided I'm going to try to be a light in this, even in this darkness. So, you know, through video, just really hope to encourage people. And and I do miss hugging people, and I do miss, you know, bumping knuckles and high fives. But that doesn't mean you can't reach out and check on people and that you can't, you know, let people know you love them. And we're kind of walking through this thing together. So it's weird, but, you know, I think it's doable. And I think we can do it for the kingdom with excellence. Yeah, for sure. Much more from Pastor uh, Big Lee McBride on uh, hunting and fishing and some great mission trips he's been on and telling ordinary people's extraordinary stories on his own podcast. That's coming up. But first, a reminder about how you can count. Hi, I'm Amy Bryan with the Greater Columbus, Georgia Chamber of Commerce, and I need your help shaping the future of our region. Did you know that by completing your census, it impacts things like economic development, job creation, resources for schools, healthcare, and even roads? It's simple to go online and complete. Please help me in making Columbus count. We were talking earlier about how football and so one of the one of your passions, I know, pretty much your whole life is the outdoors, right? Hunting, fishing. I mean, right. uh, obviously the South, you know, it's it's a hotbed for that. But right. um, for you, you know, uh, was that a love just as a kid, and still now you love to go out hunt and fish anytime? I do. I love to hunt and fish, but I tell you what gives me the most joy. I like taking people, like new people. Yeah, and I'm I'm almost like a guide at this point in my life. I mean, <laughs> except for duck hunting, I take that real serious, and I'm pretty selfish about where we go duck hunting. But, <laughs> I do love to put kids on their first deer, and I do love to take people fishing who, you know, are not necessarily great fishermen and watch them catch their first fish. And my dad, see, the reason that I loved it, my dad was so patient with me as a kid and took me so many times, and I I had to be kind of a hindrance because I was goofy. And I didn't have a lot of patience, and I I couldn't be still. But so you were too loud, maybe sometimes. Yeah, and he, he hunts. He's my dad's intense, and he, you know he's 
just a fantastic fisherman and a great hunter. So, but you know, he he instilled that in me and my brother, and we still love to hunt with him. So, uh, yes, I still love to hunt and fish a lot. And I tell I told somebody the other day I said during the COVID, all these guys are at work. There may not be a turkey or a crappy left on this earth because I've never seen more turkeys being, they got hunted hard and ponds being fished harder either. I mean, people are trying to stay busy. <laughs> Do you, uh, so have you ever t- told like a story about I caught a fish this big and people didn't believe you or you, you always hear those <laughs> Well, fishermen, I'm, I'm not near as good a fisherman as I am a hunter, but like I said, you're born in the deep south, you're a comedian. I mean, you kind of become a natural born exaggerator. You got to be careful. <laughs> and then also I know, and I've been to several of these events that you've had, um, where you kind of tell stories and, and, uh, outdoor events, a big game. Um, I think you've been to like 500 of these, I've uh, done 500 wild games suppers or something like it right where, where where it was an evangelistic event at a church yeah where they either had a fish fry or a wild game supper some people call them beast feast you know so it's just evangelistic and it gets outdoorsmen into the church or into somewhere uh they'll do a neutral site and then, you know you get them laughing and then you present the gospel in a very clear and powerful way and a lot of times they come visit your church the next day yeah, and you know one of the things that um, you've done a lot over the years is to you know help raise money or help. Uh, speaking of new people going, uh, you know, hunting or fishing, um, taking outdoors without limits is one of the right. beneficiaries that you've helped. Tell me about that because this helps people that are disabled go out and and hunt. Well, right? I just I think it's one of the greatest organizations ever. I, I at, when I started the football talks, it kind of knocked me out of being able to do it to the point of what I was doing for outdoors without limits, but. It's just a fantastic organization. Uh, Kurt Thomas founded it. Matter of fact, you helped us years, several years ago here in Columbus to, to at one of our banquets. But they're just very selfless and very strategic about getting people who thinks they're never going to get to hunt and fish again, get them out there, get them hunting and fishing. Yeah, and is it kind of like, I mean, is it similar to football in terms of that that it kind of brings you where you're kind of a level playing field and right. you're able to talk? And, and That's right. Maybe somebody that maybe you can reach them that way. That's right? right. That's right. And it shows, you know, nothing says love to anybody no more than quality time. I mean, they say, you know, uh, teenagers spell love, T-I-M-E. You could say it, but if you're not spending time with them, and I, you take a – you know, a kid in a wheelchair and you've put up a pop-up blind and you do the effort to get them out there. And, I mean, that speaks volumes to them. And it also makes, you know, a dream come true for them. Yeah. And I know, you know, um, yeah, that, that missions is also something that's really you care tremendously about. Um, you know, we often talk about people can either give or go. And you've right. gone on, I think, at least 50 mission trips. That's so right. what is anything, any of those trips stick out to you, whether it be a hard work or outreach trip, that a place that really kind of, has for you changed your life? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a cool story. And I got a lot of cool stories and a lot of great stories, but I'll tell you a cool story. So my son Garrett finished at Alabama two years ago. Congratulations. Yeah. And uh, uh, I was thinking about what am I going to do for his graduation trip? I wanted to do a trip just me and him. And don't get me wrong, I'm not an outdoor world celebrity, but I have a extremely good relationships and connections in the outdoor industry from doing all these wild game suppers Mm -hmm. and outdoors without limits and just all those things. And I'm, I was just racking my brain. I'm going to carry him. We're going to go catch, you know, 
King Marlin? Are we going to go to Alaska? I mean, I had all these big trips planned, and I thought, you know, we'll, we'll get to do that one day, but I'm going to take him on a missions trip. And we took him to this kid's camp down in South America, and it was hot, and we worked so hard, and we did the, we did the camp with the kids, and it, it was just – but I mean, I may sometimes I, I miss I miss it. But boy, what a, a grand slam that was! And it it just changed his perspective. So I'm gonna say right now, after all that, all the missions, funny stories I got, and all the missions successes I got, that's the coolest thing to me right now is me and him together on that missions field. Yeah, and I know that I've been on a lot of the, the you know work trips where you're working, you're slaving away, you're paying you to never, go work. Never work at hard for money. <laughs> no, Jason. I, one time I was more on about a, concrete than I ever wanted to know. <laughs> I was on an airplane one time. I'll never forget this. And we flew out of Houston. We were going to South or Central America, and this this stewardess she had kind of gotten all her work done, and we were just sitting back there for a few minutes. And she goes, "So what are y'all doing?" I said, "Well, we're going to." to build a church and uh, I think we're going to Jalapa, Guatemala that time she goes well I just think that's so sweet so who pays for y'all to go I said well really we pay to go raise our own money to go she goes oh so your work just gives you time off I said well I'm in, I'm at a church but a lot of these guys are using their vacation time and as I kept explaining you could just see it just didn't even compute it made no sense to her she said so let me get this straight they're spending their own money and giving up their own vacation and going to work harder than they ever would. And she went, why? And I said, I, I can't explain it. That's just missions. But uh, <laughs> it, it just floored her so much. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is hard to believe sometimes, for sure, for sure. Um, and I know that you, you know, um, you know, you're, you have Hidden Hook Ministries. Right. So what is the goal? I mean, is the goal to... To, I mean, obviously, you do want to entertain, but you also want to, to reach people. What's the, what is the ultimate goal for, for you with your ministry and just in your life? Just to try to uh, create opportunities to get unchurched outdoorsmen or athletes to give you a chance to, pre to present the gospel, whether it's at a wild game supper or whether it's during a water break on a high school football field. Just trying to go where they are and kind of earn the right to be heard and then to be ready to do it in a short period of time with anointing, clarity, and power. Yeah, that, that's amazing. That's a great goal. So what the name, Hidden Hook, because for people that well, the, maybe the, that are not familiar with fishing or whatever else. The, what, here's, here's how that came about. So Christ called us to be fishers of men. Mm -hmm. Well, no fisherman's worth his salt that doesn't put bait on the hook, that doesn't hide the hook. So hit, we, we hide the hook with storytelling and humor. And people say, well, that sounds a little deceptive. We're not deceptive at all. I'll tell guys when I stand up at a wild game supper, I'm going to say, I'm going to get you laughing, and then I'm going to try to make you cry. I am fixing to tell you about Jesus. So, I mean, it's not deceptive, but it's just kind of earning the right for that five-minute deal at the end where you can tell them about Christ. Yeah. Have you, you know, um, in, in your many times, you know, at hundreds of – of youth retreats and these, uh, you know, um, uh, with outdoorsmen and uh, different preaching at different churches, have you just, as I mean, you probably don't keep count, obviously, but I mean, have you seen just really so many people come to Christ? I mean, there have been several years, Jason, that is very conservative. Now, I'm as honest about my faults as I am my wins, but I am telling you without 
any shadow of a doubt. There have been five of my 16 years that we've led over a 1,000 men to Christ just at wild game suppers. Wow. So, yes, the harvest has been very plentiful. Yeah. And then we try to point them to people, you know, to help disciple them too. But, yes, the, it's been unbelievable the results when men are challenged and when student athletes are challenged, not talked at. But you know what I'm saying, challenged. Yeah, and, and you're you know talking to these men about things that they maybe they care about that are not maybe necessarily faith related, football, hunting, fishing. Right. So, have you found that when a man, a father, or a husband turns his life over to God, that that really um, uh, transforms the family as well? They say that Billy Graham did the research, the Graham Evangelistic Association. And I think it's 49% higher. So if you get a student coming to church and they, they have a relationship, it's in the teens. And then if mom comes, it, it's increased. But I think with dads, it's over 50% of the time. If a dad gets involved in a church and has a a confrontation with Christ and it changes that, you know, over half the time, it, it, it impacts the whole family and, and they end up in church. Yeah, and you were talking about being a grandfather now. Congratulations. Oh, man, that's uh, phenomenal. I'm going to be celebrating the two-year birthday here yeah, in a little bit. That's right. Uh, tell me about, you know, for you, um, how important is it or what do you do to be the best father and husband and, and now grandfather that you can be? I just try to be real. I don't think it would do my family any good. If I spoke to thousands of people a year and, and people thought I was doing a good job if I didn't live it at home. And uh, with my being a granddad, I, I made up my mind before Leighton got here. I wasn't going to just be the guy that waited for her to come to my house and hope she hops up on my knee and gives me a smooch. I mean, I've changed diapers. I know how to feed two or three times because people are out of sick days. I've carried her to her pediatrician. So just fully involved in her life and made that decision before she got here and hope to be that way her whole life. And if I have more grandkids, their lives too. And then as far as a husband, I mean, I just, I can't express enough that how marriage, people think about this in a negative context and they say marriage is work and it is, but Jason, I just believe, and I know you believe this too, marriage has got to be our highest commitment on this earth. And and it is mine. It is mine. I'm not saying our marriage is perfect, and we, we definitely have had hills and valleys in our marriage, but I've highly committed to being the husband God called me to be, and I'm so more in love with Wendy than I've ever been, and I... She is my favorite person, my number one, and my greatest confidant on this earth. I mean, I told her last night, we came back from Two Tree. We went to some friend's house, swam in the pool, rode around the boat, ate supper, went back. We were in the bed last night right before we fell asleep talking. I said, so tell me the truth. How did it go at Two Tree? Because you're the only person I can trust. Cause people, and that doesn't mean people are being dishonest. They're just nice. Yeah, but she's just going to tell you the she truth. She is going to tell me the truth, and you know, and she did, and it, it really made me happy. And she she told me a couple things, you know, that I could work on. But so it's just a commitment to each other, no matter what, and it's got to be your highest commitment on this earth. And I know she travels with you sometimes, and I think most recently, before Two Tree, you were at a retreat. I know you often do sold out down in Panama City Beach. Yeah. is that what you were? Well, at we recently? didn't get to do sold out okay. this year. But what had happened was that this church. 
that, that comes to sold out, they they went to where we do sold out, and I kind of did their little one church camp because this this COVID it is just wrecked camps this summer. But sold out will return. Jonathan and Lisa Moore founded and and run sold out and have done a phenomenal job and COVID ain't gonna kill sold out it'll be back next year i promise you live and in color <laughs> and you i know you obviously you were a youth pastor for you know before being like kind of maybe going on the road and also being a, a senior pastor but tell me about um the kind of reaching these kids at the beach and kind of kind of them it's kind of like a party atmosphere and people having That's fun right. and worship right. so what i mean how um have you had just some amazing experiences at like well, we, Panama we, City? we did sold out for you know it started by people here in columbus georgia jonathan and lisa moore we, we, we there were three churches that did it the first year and I, I am not exaggerating to you we thousands of students have accepted christ at sold out many have received a call to full-time ministry or ministry at soda and then i can't tell you how many people met their spouse as a college discipleship leader at soda it's been probably the most positive ministry thing as far as my ministry that i've ever been a part of or linked to i could i cannot speak higher about it and I know a lot of people in Columbus, if they hear this, they know Jonathan and Lisa Moore. They're the youth pastors at St. Luke United Methodist Church, but they're also very, very popular worship leaders around town. The job they've done just been unbelievable, been phenomenal. And, you know, not a bad place to meet God in fellowship with uh, some of the most beautiful beach in, well, in the world. Well, the beach is a draw. I mean, it, it, <laughs> it just takes it, you know, if you didn't have the beach, I mean, you've you, you got to have things to draw kids there is no better draw in the summer than the beach. Yeah. And we let them enjoy the beach. I mean, our schedule, there are three or four hours of beach time every day that they're within their group. As long as, you know, they, they don't leave a certain area, they got free time. So, <laughs> But the beach is the best draw in America. Yeah, and it seems like with all the the hats that you wear, you don't have a lot of free time. One of the hats that you kind of recently uh, uh, put on, um, I guess, months ago was as a – uh, now a host of a podcast, right. the Hidden Hook Podcast, right. uh, same name as your ministry. So tell me about how that all came about, and because and, I know it's 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 a chance for you to introduce us to some some ordinary people who have extraordinary stories. Right. Well, I just in traveling, I meet these people. Sometimes I stay in their houses. Sometimes I meet them at churches. Well, if I go back two or three times, I mean they're like my family. <laughs> but I would hear these stories, and I was like. You know, people in this little town know this story, but that story needs to be told. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm going to start. This. I didn't know what a podcast was. So four years ago, I, I, I was given some advice to hire up what was called a virtual assistant. And I did Maria Fowler. She is incredible. The best thing that ever happened to Hidden Hook besides me or Wendy is Maria. I mean, she's incredible. <laughs> She kept talking to me about podcasts. I didn't know what it was, Jason. I was like, what are you talking about? You listen to music, but, you know. <laughs> and so some, I started listening to podcasts, and I really liked them. I mean, there were some podcasts that really reeled me in quick. And I was like, you know, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I have the technical ability. And I realized it wasn't that big a deal. And I thought, I do not want this podcast to be about me. I just want to facilitate people to be able to tell their stories. So, like, this Saturday – is a pastor from Rosebud, Arkansas, population 492, 
who got hit in the head at a church softball game and changed his life forever and uh, developed a brain bleed. His wife left him and could have been kicked out of his own church and how God not only healed and restored him, but that church is thriving. Now, Just that's just a cool yeah. – we used to kid about church softball, you know, by how – the umpires don't want to umpire because it's the meanest league out there. But People are serious. <laughs> that's right. But how this this church softball game changed this guy's life, and then God miraculously restored him, stayed with it through you know through some tough times. But just it's just ordinary folks with an extraordinary story. Yeah, yeah. It's it's I, I enjoy listening to it. I think it, this will be episode number twelve for you. So uh, congratulations and uh, and I like you said, hoping to reel people in with the hidden hook. Right? Well, I definitely <laughs> want to come back in the fall. If, I'd love to get your story and yeah, people yeah. hear that because uh, you've uh, you've had a, a lot of success. Not to be no much. Old. How old are you, Jason? I'm uh, forty four. Yeah, and you've you've been in this industry, but you've been uh, you've been working hard, done a great job. Thank you so much. Appreciate and it. And you very. Uh, I think it's so important that off camera, off the mic of the podcast too, just so nice and have such a great uh, reputation with people. That speaks volumes. And I know that's not easy. Yeah. And I mean, I've never heard anybody say nothing but good things about you. Yeah, I appreciate it. God be the glory. And and, and also uh, my wife, Shanna, helps tremendously She's with that. She's phenomenal. Uh, I mean, both our wives, we married out of our league. That's they're right. Very, very patient. And they're just delightful. They're just fun <laughs> to do life with. Exactly, exactly. Well, I wanted to um, – I usually close the podcast with a prayer, so I wanted to kind of uh, pass the football on to you. If okay. you could uh, close us out in prayer today. All right. Lord, we just believe you're who you say you are. It's just that simple. Our – the scripture says we'll never see the kingdom of heaven without faith like a child. Here are two men right here that are, Lord, we're flawed. We we have flaws. And, Lord, we're, we're definitely not perfect, but two brothers in Christ right here who just kind of take you at your word every day with a childlike faith. We just believe that, that we believe your word. We believe that we can do anything through Christ Jesus. And we believe that you've called us to what we're doing, and believe we believe we should be doing it with excellence. So, Father, if anybody's listening today that may not may have a dream for you, may have something that they want to do, but they just feel like they can't get there, well, Father, with you, they can get there. They can get there. And uh, we just want to tell you we love you. Thank you for Jason. Thank you for the very pivotal place you put him in. And, Father, I know that the media takes a hammer to the head a lot of times, but here is a light and a darkness and somebody who is doing it right, passionate about what they're doing, and doing it with excellence and with accuracy. So just keep giving him opportunities to be a light for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And one thing I forgot to ask you about, Lee. Give um, it to me. I know that you've uh, recorded a few CDs. So any kind of song you want to give us like a, a verse to or something like that? Uh, well, I, 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 has it been a while since you've – I know you sing worship well, songs. Well, see, first of all, CDs left us. Okay. I don't know if you know. I mean, they don't even put them in cars anymore. <laughs> no, no. You, you can listen to them like on podcasts. And so now you can pay like 49 cent and get every joke and song I've ever told for one thing. <laughs> but I would have to have a soundtrack. I don't really uh, – I, I, let's see. I, I wrote a song, What If Rednecks Rule the World. What If Rednecks next rule the world That's right. <laughs> and then uh probably my most famous song was called buffet lullaby okay can you give us a little bit of that do you remember let's see he put a twinkie to his head 
and pulled the trigger, finally ate away that memory. She lost weight. Man, he got bigger. Now he has two artificial knees. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. That's yeah. great. Well, thank you so much, uh, Pastor Lee McBride, for coming by and, and talking with us. Like I said, I'll be back in the fall. I'm going to make you return the favor. All right. Get you on the hidden hook. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, Lee. Oh, I love you, buddy. Well, my friend Lee McBride is uh, a good old boy and real as real can be. It was great to have him here at WTVM joining me at a social distance as we talked uh, so many things. Uh, you know, He's a great guy. And uh, make sure to listen to his podcast, Hidden Hook. Subscribe to that one and, and this one, Run the Race. Now turning to our final segments of uh, this podcast, including a little food for thought related to some comedy. I found an article, the first news tip here, is from a Houston Chronicle. It's called Laugh It Off. It might just be the best medicine to battle the coronavirus. They do say laughter is, is great medicine, but, you know, in this time of COVID-19, we feel kind of socially obligated that it's not really a time to laugh, right? Well, um, you know, one comedian, Dusty Rhodes, and who she's also a high school teacher, she says, uh, when you choose to start making jokes, it's how you deal with it. You're able to dismiss the sad feelings you have about it, and it makes it a little easier. You're not dismissing the terribleness of that news, but you do have to laugh. So um, according to the Mayo Clinic, there are some long-term and short-term benefits for our mental and physical health when it comes to laughing. So here are the, the short-term effects. It can include the stimulation of organs like your lungs, your core muscles, your heart. It can also uh, laughter trigger an endorphin release and can lead to you know, relief of some of that stress you're dealing with and muscle relaxation and also lower some of your tension. We can all use that these days. Uh, studies have shown if you laugh on a daily basis, it can actually improve your immune system and overall pain relief. If you giggle, it can help alleviate uh, different levels of depression, according to the Mayo Clinic. That is very interesting. And uh, in that same article, it talks about uh, something uh, that Kevin Cotter created called the Laughter Workout Class via Zoom. He teaches laughter actually as a form of fitness, both mentally and physically, it's kind of like laughter yoga, which was developed in India. Um, so it, with that laughter yoga, they have uh, genuine laughter and fake laughter, and the brain releases uh, feel-good chemicals like serotonin and, and dopamine, regardless of if it's real or fake. Uh, laughter exercises help give oxygen to the body and help you with breathing. It also, you know, what they say lowers the presence of cortisol, that hormone that causes you know stress in our bodies. So Cotter, who has this uh, online uh, laughter workout class, he found laughter yoga early in his treatment for clinical depression about six years ago. Um, and, you know, he was a class clown. So he began teaching some of this in assisted living facilities, finding that older people need a really, you know, an extra help to, to laugh a little bit. So he teaches students how to perform laughs uh, and switching back and forth from the fake and the real ones. And it doesn't really matter. You feel ridiculous, but it actually works. He's something that he said it, it, it really does make you feel good. Regardless, so laughter, you know, is is uh, the best medicine, or at least uh, one good form of one. 
Uh, on the uh, faith side of things, uh, speaking of comedy, a comedian, John Christ, who may, many of you maybe have heard of, he's uh, got some hilarious videos all over YouTube and Facebook uh, uh, about uh, you know just uh, the hypocrisy of life. Well, um, he he has now returned to social media eight months after sexual misconduct allegations. So, in a video shared just the last few days, Chris, who's 36, on Instagram and Facebook revealed he's been quote working on my own mental health and my recovery and healing, including a four-month stint at a treatment facility. So, to give you a little bit of background, uh, back in November, there's a report that five women came forward with accusations about John Christ. The accusation include, uh, you know, individuals sexting multiple women, uh, initiating sexual relationships with married women, and uh, offering show tickets in exchange for sexual favors, according to Charisma News. So he said he was sorry for the hurt and pain that he caused these women, continuing to seek their forgiveness, also hurting the name of Jesus and that witness, and that he had sought forgiveness for that as well, and uh, seeking professional treatment for what he called sexual sin and addiction struggles. So uh, he thought that you know, admitting all this stuff and, and, and going through this process over the last few months of treatment, he thought that he would be judged by people in the faith community with all these allegations. But he said, quote, he felt nothing but the opposite throughout this whole process. So much support, despite uh, him being so embarrassed and dealing with hypocrisy, the way he lived his life versus the way he talked in his uh, very funny comedic videos and stand-up uh, as he toured across the country. Now, while there are many times that Chris did want to return to social media over the last few months and post one of these funny videos, uh, he said he needed to, quote, take the time to fix the broken pieces of myself, and we all deserve a second chance. So uh, we hope John Chris will use this to uh, to boost um, the the call for Christ and the call that we're not perfect. None of us are. And that's a good lesson for all of us, that we can all fall short and we have to be very vigilant and careful of the enemy who's prowling around uh, looking to, to tempt us and uh, just any kind of slip so that uh, we have this pedestal and this platform sometimes to, to talk about God, to talk about our faith and talk about our physical well-being. And then we make a mistake and the world judges us or we make a mistake and we have to pay for it. There are consequences to our actions. And, and he learned that the hard way. Uh, but now hopefully he's a better man, a better Christian because of it. Now to our uh, parting gift, the final inspirational quote of the day. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about comedy with my friend, uh, Pastor Lee McBride. Well, another comedian uh, has our quote of the day. Conan O'Brien said, quote, work hard, be kind, and amazing things will happen. It's pretty simple, right? So uh, you have a good work ethic and uh, be kind to others. Show compassion. And from that, just those two simple things. He says amazing things will happen, and uh, I've seen it work in my own life and many others as well. So uh, just treat others as you want to be treated, uh, the golden rule for sure. Well, thanks to Lee again for coming on the show, the Run the Race podcast, and uh, also uh, closing us in prayer. And uh, so uh, make sure to uh, continue to let folks know about this show, and uh, we're going to have continue to have some great guests uh, talking about how to be uh, a better fit um, in our mind, in our souls, in our bodies uh, at all times. Thank you so much for joining us and hope you have a great rest of the week.